0: titles of other podcasts, and so to do that for our guest, Luisa Diaz, this week, I will say that my wages do not reflect the amount of work that I put into uh, the work (laughs) that I do. That's why I'm mad. Great. Uh,
1: I'm mad because I ordered a big bulk package of cherry menthol chewing gum from the UK, Airwaves Cherry, like a month ago when I was half asleep intending to surprise myself, and it still is not here, and uh, I'm very sad about that.
0: Oh. mad uh, i'm very mad about that and i'm also <laughs> sad but the anger stage is coming up too i pose this question of course because we have louisa diaz of uh why you mad she is here hi
2: thank you so why much for having me
0: guys welcome <laughs> yeah thanks. why did i say the trap what is my problem <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what we call our uh our basically zoom recording room on the internet it's the <laughs> yeah. trap room we're very cool
2: i'm gonna take it as an invitation to go see the trap room one day
0: hell yeah (laughs) yeah uh may i tell uh, a brief work anecdote from today oh hit me i come into the break room today and i see that there is like a layer cake sort of situation where it's like it's like a brownie on the bottom and then there's a layer of cool whip and then another brownie of some kind of crunchy thing. And then another layer of Cool Whip and like chocolate chips and crunched up Heath Bar and shit. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I go over, I dip myself a big piece of this thing and I take a bite. And uh, the the woman who made it, who actually, who I had beef with in previous weeks, you may uh, remember I mentioned that I, yes. had, that I had beef with uh, somebody that I worked with. I see her and I see the cake and I go, did you make this? And she goes, yeah. And I go, what's it called? She goes, it's a better than sex cake. Oh. And I said, I don't know if it's better than sex, but it's at least as good as a handjob cake. <laughs> <laughs> How did she, that fly? She laughed at it. She laughed at it. She loved it very much. Nice. She's so, like a cool old lady. So awesome. does this
2: mean you're mending bridges with your former enemy?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, well, so she she more had an issue with me because apparently I had snapped at her over Christmas and she's a grudge holder. <laughs> uh. Uh, but I, okay. I have been uh, making things right with her in the past weeks, and uh, everything's good now. Now she's bringing in cake and not being resentful of me having a piece. So. That's
2: great.
0: There
1: you go. Comedy is saving the day. Saving work relationships. What magic. What <laughs> magic. Well, Louisa, how, how are you doing? And for the folks uh, who do not know you, do you want to introduce kind of you and, and what you do?
2: Sure. Um I do a lot of weird stuff, I guess. Um so my background is in anthropology, you know, that's what I was uh trained under or as and so that's the lens through which I see most things, including comedy and relationships and entertainment and media production and all these things. Um I in a roundabout way came to work in media and in stand-up comedy, booking shows and working in like um talent consulting and helping people develop their half hours and things like that. Um, And then I started a podcast with a comedian named Jake Flores, who basically, you know, we had good bar conversations about the ethics of creating art, um, of having relationships, um, especially like how do your leftist politics connect to the ways that you do your work, both in workspaces and in personal spaces. Um, and we decided to do a podcast about that and it turned out there's a bunch of weirdos that were, <laughs> that were into that. Um, <laughs> so that's, I guess like my professional background and how I came to be here. Um, but my relationship background is that I just, I was raised very traditionally, uh, I'm a Latin American woman and I'm the first American in my family. So I was raised very much to be a wife and mother and, uh going out and like getting a bunch of degrees was like really kind of a fuck you to my family <laughs> to be like, look at me, I'm going to do, you know, like my mom at one point was like, you, you had, you have so many degrees by now you could have already had two kids, you know? And she's like mad that I'm in grad school. When I, like, <laughs> and all my friends' parents were like, she's amazing. <laughs> why, do, why aren't you more like her? Um, but I had a very like, excuse me, from very early on, I had to kind of like, consider my life path. And that included what kinds of relationships I would have with other people around me. Um, because I was very set on, I do not want to the kind of traditional relationships that I see around me. So I right. have to go find these and work at them in a certain way that I think doesn't come as easily as walking a beaten path often does. So, um, my relationship background is that I've been kind of like exploring, um, human interaction and relationship um, structures and alternate ways of forming families and connections and networks since like, I don't know, probably like 20, 25 years ago. Um, so, yeah, I've had different kinds of relationships. And I think I uh, attract people who want a different point of view, I think, than just like what we were all told we were supposed to do.
1: Right. That's a that's a cool path too, and yeah. I've I've listened to why you mad and heard you mentioned yeah. your anthropology background uh a few times. I'm kind of curious how, what drew you to that, and then into comedy from there. Because like I see how those things work well together. Yeah. And hearing you talk in the program, like there's obviously a, a very big connection there. Yeah. Uh, but I don't I don't think I've ever met somebody who who. <laughs> took that that path there like you were saying that's really cool
2: I might be the only there might be more but maybe it's got to be a handful tops of comedy (laughs) anthropologists but um (laughs) it was honestly the the quick version is that I was I fancied myself an artist when I was in like college and I my first degree was for fine arts I was a sculptor and as I was preparing my final project I became really like obsessed with the research that I was doing for my final project which was about The production of symbols and meaning in society um, and how that contributes to history and identity and I was trying to research this to like execute a visual you know like synthesis of these ideas and honestly I wasn't that good at it you guys Uh, (laughs) but the theories made me really like um, I had revelations for the first time I think in like the way that we seek meaning for ourselves and our place in the world and all of that is a constant throughout human existence. And it varies in detail, but is a very universal experience, I think, throughout cultures. And once you kind of start to learn that there isn't just one way to live, that there isn't just one culture and one way to believe and one way to organize yourself and your social relationships then it becomes easier to understand that you don't just have to do the one that everyone is doing around you. And to me, um, you guys remember that show bones?
1: Yeah. So
2: yeah, that show is, um one of those, what's those actresses name? Whatever. It doesn't matter, but it was about an anthropologist. Okay. And I remember watching it when I was in grad school and I loved it. Cause it was like, she was like fucking quirky and whatever and annoying. But her whole thing was <laughs> that she's like, quote, not normal because she um questions all of the things that people take for granted in interact human interactions and cultural beliefs and all these things, and then you guys by like the fourth season, they married this bitch off and she had a baby and she was like no. the most <laughs> like trad wife <laughs> like shit ever so that's the kind of thing where for me or like if you've never met psychologists you know it's very strange to me to have an academic interest and spend all these years studying it and then not apply it to your personal life Mm. um it it doesn't make sense or like not apply it to becoming an activist or getting involved in your local networks or you know you can't just have this idea of you know i'm an anthropologist in the bushes who doesn't get involved and this isn't about me (laughs) you know i'm like a objective other or whatever the fuck i'm not um i didn't go to anthropology to be a professor or to write books about other people I went to it to find more answers for myself and in like a path of how to live my life Um, specifically because like this idea of individuality is very historically new. And as I said, I'm like literally the first woman in my family tree that is never married and that uh, went to college and has no children. (laughs) And so um, the way I choose to live my life is groundbreaking for my, my lineage. (laughs) You know what I mean? It is a, walking a different path thing and I understand I need guidance. And for me, the guidance didn't work out from religious sources or self-help books or astrology. It came from philosophy and social theory.
1: (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Oh,
2: and sorry, and to connect it to comedy, honestly, (laughs) to me, it's a very clear connection, which is that, um, as I said, I started with art stuff. And so to me, artists are all very, very interesting because they are the people who are actually taking in all of the cultural stimuli and then producing work that affects society yeah. and culture and like continue that production cycle. Right. So I'd like to watch them and see through them the way that ideas are being synthesized by and for and through them and their work and stand-up comedy, I think is the fast is the one with the fastest temporality where you can most easily observe this like knowledge production and cultural production and ideas spread um, within a day, within a week, within a month, you know, whereas yeah. every other art form is, it's much slower to from idea to production to reception. Um, mm. So I really went for it anthropologically. Like, I was just very like, this is a very interesting thing to watch. And then I think because I was watching it objectively and not as like um, a fangirl who wanted to like be around famous people or anything like that. Right. I just, I found a niche in which people were like, you know who we should ask (laughs) you know and then they just started asking me and sometimes not enough but sometimes paying me um and that's how i ended up being a comedy anthropologist
1: that's a super cool path
2: (laughs) it's very (laughs) winding
1: and i I appreciate you being drawn to the anthropology and kind of finding these these personal answers from it I've had a little bit of a similar experience being raised Catholic and then going like full high school, atheist dickhead Uh, kind of just trying to sort things out. I've talked on this show a lot. So I I took an anthropology class in college. It was like my first of any kind of exposure to that, but I've been talking a lot uh, on this show recently. I've been watching a lot of videos about like evolution and paleontology and archaeology and these kind of things. And that sense of like, I, Giving yourself, like, what things were like this in the past is kind of really, I don't know, helping me to realize, like, how many things in life we kind of take for granted or just accept as the way that we are, the way that they are, and that's the only way for them to be. And uh, I've I've found a lot of peace in that, honestly, and just looking at these big shifts, even, like, outside of of our own species and the different ways that, you know, just things can, can live and, like, what that life could mean and uh i don't know that's th- that's a really cool topic and particularly as i was saying before a- applying that to comedy i, I would have kind of been like like i see the connection there but not quite but that's really cool what you're saying how the, the the cycle of it is pretty quick and so you can almost you know you can observe it better than you know than, than something that takes longer yeah that's really
2: cool um quite literally you know um a stand-up comic like they can be online today and something happens a trending topic and whatever and they can get on stage that night have a you know first draft of that joke and then receive immediate feedback from an audience that then helps them polish that into something else. And so like they go through all these cycles there. It's also one of the only art forms really that um, is co-production with an audience. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whereas a painter finishes a painting and puts it out and you look at it after it's done. You don't get to put feedback into how it gets made. Um, Same with movies, with almost every kind of art form, you receive it and criticize it after it is made. Um, But stand up is it is quite literally for me, like I feel like I can see it happening. This like process of knowledge being passed down, uh, down and around and out because it's going into comics from the podcasts they listen to, from the news that they watch, from their friends, from their family, from their culture and then they're synthesizing that into something and passing it on to their audiences who repeat it and share it and retweet it and whatever. Um, And that's why, to me, even, like, cancel culture is so interesting and, like, you know, (laughs) because it's all a backlash to it's just a joke that didn't work well and you're you used to want to know when the joke didn't work well and now you're mad that the joke didn't work well and people are telling (laughs) you it didn't work well um so it's it's just pretty interesting to watch you know um i don't think we get a window into um the process of cultural production throughout other art forms as much you know
1: right beautiful and just like the evolution of an idea, basically, like, I don't know, yeah. I can kind of see that branching out in the, in the same way life or, you know, another process like that does. That's really yeah. cool to think about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, as you were talking about um, how you found comfort in seeing like the how long things have been around and how sometimes, right. you know, things feel like they have always been like this or like they're unchangeable. And so we always have to live it this way or do it this way. Um, I famously um let's say mock the, the institution of marriage a lot but you know it's like with a good-natured <laughs> um thing where i'm like to me it's just like it's like punching up you know what i mean because it's like right yeah. it's like the winning like nobody's the whole institution is not threatened by me mocking it you know what i mean like it's fucking fine but i think it's something that people lack a historical view on
0: right Wally.
2: Yeah, because once you, like, think about it for me, and it's this thing that, like, it sounds like I'm being a Debbie Downer about marriage, but just like you said, Donovan, like, I found comfort in this. (laughs) Like, I was like, this is great. I think more people should hear the fact that, like, we like to think marriage is about individual love and, like, building partnership and sharing your life with this, like, soulmate that has all the same interests as you and, like, all this fucking, like, movie shit, right?
0: historically it's a property arrangement
2: exactly and it's quite literally uh like i keep saying that sorry it is definitely (laughs) a um probably like the last 50 years or so the version of marriage that we think has always been around started um there's one joke uh there's a do you guys have have you ever heard of gerard carmichael I've seen
0: a couple of um, like the comedy central bits that come through on Facebook sometimes. He's he's very funny. And he,
2: I went to see him live once and he has a joke that is like such a great relationship joke that the audience like hated it because it is so (laughs) fucking true and harsh, but it's basically something to the effect of like, you know, the, the concept of a good husband was invented. Like, I don't know, 50 years ago. If you ask your grandma, your grandma didn't have a concept of what a good husband was. It was like, He doesn't beat her, (laughs) you know, and then the audience like groaned. And then he goes, oh, oh, really? If your grandma was lucky, your grandfather was emotionally distant and unavailable. If she was unlucky, she got raped a few times. And the room like froze, like you just feel the oxygen (laughs) sucked out of the room. But I lost my mind laughing, you guys, because it is fucking So such a perfect, pithy, accurate description of our inability to historically situate marriage that we don't like we think of things like, oh, look at my grandparents. They've been together 50, 60 years. And that sounds romantic to you and beautiful. But you are not taking into account the limited options that your grandmother had as to what she could do with her life. That maybe because she was involved in a tiny scandal, she lost all ability to go have a, a different husband that she actually wanted. Uh, she got pregnant, so she had to get married instead of going to college. So many th- reasons and ways. She that wanted the, any. Yeah.
0: If you, yeah. Any, any access freedom? to like financial <laughs> Yeah, to credit and cards. All.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And so the farther you go back in time the less marriage was a choice or a partnership or a love thing. And the more it was about exchanging land or securing alliances or, you know, all these things. So then I do like to mock marriage, but I think it's important to realize that it has not changed as much as people believe that it's changed. It's only the narratives around it that have changed. Hmm. And so like, I often try to recommend to people that what should be hopeful about this historical revelation, if it's new to you is that, If you are the kind of person who really wants things like having children and owning property and having grandchildren, then you are looking for a person who wants to be your financial and land-owning partner and alliance in war. You know what I mean? You do want to do the old-timey version of marriage. So the correct and smart thing to do is to go and find somebody to marry who Mm -hmm. also understands what you are expecting from this partnership and that you want the same things as opposed to getting into a marriage because we love each other and we had a great romantic one year and you like never talked about whether you believe in God, whether you want children or not, what city you're going to live in. Like, it's insane. It does it makes no sense. And so um, that's all just to give you an example of the, my go-to Don, where I'm like, his history can help you um, like free yourself from frameworks that I'm not saying are inherently evil, but might not necessarily be a right fit for you. And you shouldn't spend your life bashing your head into trying to fit into it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's a, like, like you were saying, like, as th- there's an element of that being scary too, where it's like, Jesus, everything I've known is not like this rock solid essential thing, which is fantastic. Cause it fucking sucks, but is also kind of like you're cast adrift all of a sudden. Um, it's it's wild too, like I just kind of the past few years and, and doing some reading and kind of I don't know paying attention and trying to understand things a little more. Like I am shocked every time I hit one of these things and it's like, what's well, so fucking obvious? Why why could this have been the same? Like throughout of all of human history, like these things change, everything is very relative. Uh and then another one will pop up and it's like, what the fuck? So what else is out there that I'm that I'm missing, you know? Yeah. But again, as much as that is a little bit scary it's exciting because many new opportunities you're not pigeonholed as you're saying and uh i don't know it makes me makes me feel better about things i guess makes me feel more
0: hopeful uh i take solace in the fact that we will all through the process of carcinization become crabs (laughs) Uh, i think that that's that's very comforting to me that one day we'll all be pinching yeah give me them (laughs) sniffers i'm down for that (laughs) Oh,
2: hold oh on. did we lose you? I muted. I, I muted myself. Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, do we know what kind of relationships crabs have?
0: Ooh,
2: I don't. I don't know off the top of my mind. Of my if head.
1: I okay, I've definitely. So I got into like fish YouTube too, and okay. that did lead me to some crab-related videos. I've, i know some of them they got the little apron under them and they stock their eggs oh, under there yeah, right and i think like one other would come up and fertilize that i don't think it's like a broadcast spawning yeah. kind of thing if you're a listener who's an expert on crabs please follow or a listener who this. is a crab also that please
2: <laughs> or part human part crab we don't discriminate here
1: <laughs> and that's that's the dream i am aiming for Carsonize me captain let's fucking go <laughs> Well, Louisa, we we also got to ask you, and I, I gotta say too, if mm-hmm. if you listening out there, uh, have have appreciated hearing about this, y'all's latest episode on uh, Handmaid's Tale, you yep. really got into into that. Highly recommend going and checking that out. Uh, awesome, thank you. Very very thoughtful stuff. Uh, but as as is our tradition here, we got to ask you uh, our standard guest question, which is about an embarrassing dating or relationship story you have. Uh, what yeah. do you got like that?
2: So um, this was kind of hard for me because I did. I can't really think of being embarrassed and I don't say that in like a show-offy <laughs> way, okay? I say that because I'm very much a person that I don't consider any of my past relationships or interactions to be failed relationships or interactions. Mm-hmm. I In everyone, even if I'm not still friendly with everyone, I learned something and I learned something about myself and I did better the next time. And so I just... I it's not to say I never regretted anything but embarrassment wasn't quite the thing except bad. for one thing. Oh, <laughs> Right? And it is definitely I'm the bad guy here. Um so it was a few years ago and in my defense, okay, going <laughs> to start. Um I started drinking alcohol 10 years ago, okay? So when this happened, I was probably like into drinking alcohol for like 5 years, 4 years which is not an excuse, but it is a factor that contributed to the situation that follows, um, which is I um, I was also in a monogamous live-in relationship with someone for 10 years from 20 to 30. So oh. I basically, when I broke up, I started drinking and I started dating and I was enjoying my life very much postgraduate school, uh, dating a lot and, um, Being ethically non non monogamous, right? Um, But the alcohol turns out doesn't contribute to being able to manage multiple (laughs) relationships in an ethical way. Um, So, what happened was (laughs) that um, I was on a date with a guy that I had been seeing for several weeks now, but he was one of four (laughs) that I was seeing at the same time. And we went out and we had a great time and we had a few drinks. And then we went back to my place and I called him somebody else's name during.
1: That. Oh no. Classic.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty classic. And I didn't think it would ever happen to me because I am respectful <laughs> and I am proud of the fact that I treat every partner like they are my only partner when I'm with them. And I would ne- like, I would hate it if somebody did it to me. It's so emba- like, I'm so embarrassed even to this day. I've never forgotten it. And he got very mad (laughs) and then I I was like drunk and I was like oh I'm so sorry obviously it's because I was drunk not because I thought I was you were another guy (laughs) like right you know (laughs) um but he got pretty mad and then he left and he like broke up with me the next day over this damn yeah and but then it was like he was like just hurt you know what I mean so I felt like a terrible person so he did eventually come back and we tried it again a few times and um, I think during the pandemic was the last time he texted me. So we're, we're it's like, oh, we kind of wish it hadn't ended, but it ended because yeah. I was a total embarrassing asshole.
0: Yeah. Blame <laughs> it on the al- 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 alcohol. I
2: mean, I just don't, don't, yeah. I manage my affairs better. <laughs> like, very embarrassing.
1: That's one of those ones too that like, I, I know that's insulting and that's not fun to hear, but yeah. like, a, it's ultimately like a slip up
0: of words. Yeah, my own parents have called me by the dog's name. Right, Same. you know, like yeah, people fuck up names.
2: Thank you. I agree. You're in the heat of the moment; it doesn't matter. Um, right. But you know, the hot tip there is like, if you're not sure, just don't use the name. Just go with baby.
0: There you, go. <laughs> you know, if I, if I may ask, was this in, was this in a carnal moment? Oh, it was yeah, of full okay
2: Cardinal. yeah so my mind is is not difficult come on i mean but it is offensive i get it i get it you know right but it's understandable
0: i would would say to just generally avoid names i don't like to use the name especially my name's arthur that doesn't exactly like flow out of a mouth (sighs) (laughs) i know but it's
2: so sexy to hear your lover say your name though like whispered into your ear and stuff
0: i like it i like it after after like an afterglow yeah okay by my name and like whisper mayor okay during the moment it just doesn't sound
2: pet names and sexy talk but just don't get into government names right (laughs) yeah
1: unless your name's like jack or something like boom like (laughs) that's that's quick you can yell that out donovan is three syllables (laughs) yeah
0: there's a lot of vowels in there yeah (laughs) What if they called you by your Twitter handle or your Instagram? Blesso. And oh, don't, don't Bless. Don't
1: dot Bless. Oh, this sex is extremely. It's it's just okay. It's not bad.
2: It's it's doing it all right for me. As good as a hand job. I've always wondered that with like rappers, you know, like for sure the like um, girls that they're picking up at shows and stuff are calling them by their rapper name, you know, right? But like, does that mean that when they like fall in love with a wifey, they do tell them their real name, and then they they Mm. say the real name, you know? I always think about. I used
0: to I used to DJ, Mm -hmm. and there were a couple situations where I was talking to somebody in a romantic situation. And they, like, didn't know there your was first this name. sort of negotiation yeah. of do I call you by your DJ name yeah. right here. And of like, it's no. No, no that's weird, do right?
2: That. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but see, I've heard. So I was a raver, right, when I was younger. and oh uh, yeah, yeah, us too. Oh, yeah? I'm, oh, I'm a drum and yeah. bass girl, yeah. so my oh, yeah. yeah, so my ex that I lived with for 10 years, he was a drum and bass producer. And so from knowing all of his friends, I know that they didn't mm-hmm. like it when... Somebody in a personal situation use their DJ name because they're Mm. like, it's, it's a public persona thing. You, if you were friends, you should use my name. Mm. But then rappers who I've known, they feel, and I'm generalizing that nobody should use their government name unless they have explicit permission to do so because it's so personal Mm. So right. it could go either way, you know. You got to ask your DJ or rapper what would he or she prefer, <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> or <right>. they, <laughs> yeah, or or streamer. Mm-hmm. Streamers have, yeah. uh, have oh. their own names. Yeah. Online gaming personalities have mm. their screen names.
2: I've dated um, graffiti artists. They also have mm. street oh, names and real yeah. names. Yeah, and they prefer uh, their street names are used instead of their wow. real names. Kind of like rappers. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I can see where those distinctions that come up, though. Like uh, hip hop, especially being like, if, if you're a solo artist yeah. and it's focused on your voice and what you're writing and what you're talking about. I get it. That's more personal yeah. than like, I don't know, I feel like in a DJ spot, that, that would be more, more. separate. I, I also know. feel
2: like DJs have a whole like, don't talk to me vibe going on. <laughs> so they're like, they're, like, like, do. Yeah, they're like, don't ask me for play- songs that are you want me to play. Get the fuck out of my face. So I think it's part of keeping that wall up. Yeah. My, this is my public life. Don't don't call me by
0: that name. <laughs> do you want to hear what I used to do when uh people would ask for a request? Why don't you ask why do you make a request? Um I'm, I'm up on the decks, so I've got my headphones on, I'm mixing some tracks. Uh, uh go yeah. ahead and make a request on you.
1: Uh hey fella, can you play the birthday
0: song? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. No. No way in hell. <laughs> but it's a club <laughs> banger. I absolutely come get on the fuck get, get the
1: fuck, get, security yeah. <laughs> on that second round of happy birthdays to you when it comes to that crescendo and then the beat drops
2: oh oh yeah
1: oh yeah well thanks for sharing the uh the embarrassing story there louisa good uh, a good answer hell yeah we
2: all need to be reminded of our lowest moments um, it ma- it makes us better people.
1: <laughs> it really does it really does yeah well how about we try to help other people be better people, or maybe, but maybe they're already good. Be in a better relationship. How will we help some people out? How about we hit some questions? Uh, and this week it's all question box. Asking all them questions, asking all them questions. Why are you asking
2: all them questions, making statements? Us who asking all them questions, asking all them questions, why are you asking all them questions, making statements? Us
0: whoo!
1: Yeah! Yes, it's the Radio Free Topag question box. The segment of the show where you, the listener, can send your questions into us and we will answer them. Uh, it's anonymous. You don't have to make an account. If you'd like to do that, you can go to our website, rftb.me, uh, or on social media. It's in the bios at our Twitter at rftbpod and our Instagram at Radio Free Topag. You just got to click that question link, type your question in the box smash that send button uh and that's all it takes and this week uh thank you again to louisa for for sharing the link we have a ton of questions in here oh yeah and here's what we got first hi arthur and donovan and Luisa. Mm-hmm. i think this was from last week yeah. my my boyfriend and i uh have been dating for three years and have lived together since before quarantine this past week we went downtown for our first summer outing since 2020 While we were looking at the shops, my boyfriend noticed a Shiba Inu with its leash tied to a tree. He walked over, bowed, in all caps, and said, I quote, Ohio Doggeroo Chan, I bow to your great dignity. (laughs) While he was doing this, the owner of said dog, who was Asian, came out and lectured him on anti-Asian racism. It was mortifying. My boyfriend thinks I should have backed him up to the owner. (laughs) I think BF's weeby ass deserved it. The whole incident has made me view him in a different light. He likes JRPGs and stuff, but I never thought he would otaku out in public. (laughs) I like that turn of phrase. Uh, Should I have backed him up, and am I overreacting to him making an absolute fool of himself? What do we think? It as fuck.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear from you guys first. As like, if you were the boyfriend and you did mm. something cringe, do you, are you expecting her to back you up on this? No, no.
1: You got to call me out. You got to make yeah, me aware right? so I don't double down on the cringe. Everyone yeah.
0: who I've ever dated, if I have done, if I would have done something this cringe, they would have dunked on me with the mm, person there. who was lecturing me. Yeah, exactly. And I think. I think it's important. <laughs> To team up with outside forces against your partner, especially if your partner's a cis guy, Mm -hmm. oh, you gotta put him in place sometimes.
2: Absolutely, yeah. No, you and you can't become part of um, like the toxic like bubble of their world that tells them they can continue doing this kind of shit. You know, like right. Even um, I think some women might be like, let's say old school women might be like, I would defend my man, but then I would tell him at home that that was wrong. And I think that's also bad <laughs> you can't mm-hmm. you cannot defend this. I agree hundred percent with Arthur Call him out with the person calling him out so that he mm-hmm. never does this embarrassing thing again. but I would give him a <laughs> chance like you should see him differently. I don't think this is break up with him, maybe necessarily if it's his first thing that's annoying you, but also let's see how he feels if you double down on not not backing him up right
1: as long as he understands like, why this could upset somebody. Because I I could get... You're just out... You're out in the summer sunshine around people for the first time in a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been watching a lot of anime over quarantine. You've really just been marinating in it. (laughs) And you're like, oh, I'm gonna say the anime thing uh, to this dog on account of it's a (laughs) Shiba Inu. And then you do that, uh, but to other people witnessing that, that... I imagine they're not going to like see this as a reference or something. They're going to be like, what the fuck is happening with this guy?
2: Absolutely. You know what? You made me think of something else, which is um, I think we all need to be, including the dog lady, everybody. we all need to be slightly more understanding of the fact that we have all been inside for a year and five months. (laughs) and all of our social skills are lacking. Like we, you know, I've been out socializing, we're all doing bad, we're all saying shit we didn't mean to say, Uh, you know, like putting our foot in our mouth. I think I had one person yesterday, I was like, how's your wife? Oh, we got divorced. Oh, oh, right,
0: right." (laughs) Um, So I I just
2: realized I only talked to you because I was friends with your wife. Oh shit, okay, well. (laughs) um, (laughs) Awkward, so, you know, he probably just didn't know how to act around a nice dog in the sunshine.
1: Right, especially one of them Shivas. They're pretty damn cute. Pretty I understand. Cute. Sometimes that floods the brain. Just, just get them across not to, not to be acting like this. Explain mm-hmm. why somebody might be upset with this. Why you're upset with this? And uh, you know, it does show somebody something about a person too. Like if you do that, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, my bad. That was exactly. that was dumb. I've been cooped up in the Anime Zone for mm-hmm. a year and a half." That's one thing. But if he's doing the doubling down or like pushing back on you about it, that's when there's going to be a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then you got to bail. All right. Uh, What about this next one? This one's a little, this one's a little more uh, directed directly at me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, RFT boys. A few weeks back, you got an angry response from somebody regarding your treatment of the DDLG kink. I believe Arthur mentioned that he would be listening to a DDLG podcast to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. Did you end up giving it a listen? If so, is it any less off-putting now? I've been real fucking busy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. And also... I, I, just didn't, I just didn't get around to it. And I'm sorry. <sighs>
2: I'm sorry to add to the shitting on the DDLG. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
2: but I'm going to come out here in strong defense of Arthur and whatever he said. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know for sure. just going to cite I'm like, I'm just going like, to, I think, I think we're in the uh, same thing. Cause I had a few years where during all these last few years, right. Um, where I went out to purposefully like explore the kink world. I think, you know, I especially need a break from comedy. So I went to do my anthropology thing in kink world. And, um, I met all kinds of people that are all into all kinds of different things, and the DDLG does not sit well with me, to be honest. Seems with unhealthy. You. That's, that's kind of where we are
0: is that it, it seems yeah. some people claim that it's good for uh, dealing with trauma, especially around like sexuality, uh, maybe with like child abuse. Child abuse, uh, and or sexuality. Something. Right. Um, we are of a mind that there's got to be a better way, that maybe it can be of some help in that regard, but there's got to be a better way.
2: I think so too. I have done. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I,
1: I have done some, some stewing on this, though, because mm-hmm. we've heard from people a couple of times. Uh, it stems from we covered this like a year and a half ago, two years ago yeah. on an episode. We kind of uh, went
0: in on it back then.
1: We, we, we went in on it. And so I think some of it stemmed from that. But also the last time somebody asked about this, I, I was kind of on a fence with it. And I think we're like I've landed on this is like, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me either. I had some shit happen when I was younger and I think it kind of just hits that. It's like, Oh God, I don't fucking fetishize that.
2: Totally. But
1: on one more thing on it, but on, but on the other hand of it, like as these people have said, I don't fully understand it and everybody goes through trauma and processes things differently. And so I will apologize. And I I feel bad for singling out if I made you feel attacked about that specifically, because I don't want this to be a kink, shame podcast, I want this to be an open thing. Uh, but I just think that's where that was coming from for me. Cause it just, it, it, it doesn't sit well with me, but again, I, you know, I no. don't understand everything. And if yeah. trauma is a hard thing to work with, if this is something like that is able to get it, you through it more, more power to you.
2: I totally agree with you and would like to confirm that I am not king shaming either. <laughs> I very much just think that it's our, All of our responsibility to be self-critical and self-aware as to why we do the things that we do, why we find pleasure where we find pleasure. And to me, I think that if that is your kink, then one of the things that you should be exploring within yourself is that, especially if you're using it in a way to try to resolve childhood sexual trauma is that part of the reason that it was a traumatic experience for you is not that there were boundaries crossed by an adult you trusted or whatever, because honestly, that's life, is people crossing your boundaries and you thought you could trust them. Really, it's that um, you had your sexuality triggered at too young an age when you were still developing other parts of your brain. That And that is what causes the trauma. And so constantly going back to relive that experience of having a child brain with an adolescent sexual experience. I don't necessarily think that there's science out there to say that that is helping you other than making you comfortable with the feeling of that. However, Mm. as Donovan is saying to, you know, to each their own. And I do think it's like you, you find really the world in life is terrible. You should find pleasure where you find pleasure, but there's no harm in being self-critical and self-aware and really considering why why something brings you pleasure and whether it is ultimately helping you or not. Right.
1: It, exactly. And
2: uh
1: I've I've just also found that with, with other areas of life. I've talked on the show a lot about having intrusive thoughts and anxiety and, and depression and all of that. And uh I know this isn't a one-to-one experience, but I, I've just found I've gotten less. What am I trying to say here? Sometimes, as you were saying, Louisa, sometimes engaging with something kind of keeps that thing alive a little mm. bit. Yeah. And I'm split because there's also an element, though, where it's kind of there's a self-examination there. There's a reframing, yeah, uh,
2: taking power back, but also yes, and, and, you're and also the that. experience, yeah,
1: right. And so, mm. like again, I can I can understand yeah. how this that could be a positive thing for somebody. But at the same time, I'm just coming back to that that sense I've had of kind of repeatedly engaging with a negative thing from the past. Yeah. And granted, well, not, not entirely to yeah. this degree, uh, but just in that doing it is still kind of, in the way I, I kind of frame this for myself, I feel like I'm just kind of feeding more energy into it. I'm keeping it. at at the front of my mind. But, and then at the other hand, it's like, well, you don't want to fully write off and pretend something didn't happen. That's no way to process it either. Uh,
2: you know what? I'm, I'm bothered by that same thing. I think a good place that we can leave it at that I think you guys might agree with me is that, um, I think that if you have a kink, whatever that kink is and it brings you happiness and you enjoy doing it and you have partners with whom you can do this happily and safely, you shouldn't be worried about whether or not Arthur or Donovan or anyone else accepts it or thinks that it's good. And I say this just as a person who has always wanted to have non-traditional relationships and sexual interactions and that kind of thing, that once you get to the point where you realize you don't need or want the approval of other people, then it becomes easier to go and live your life the way you want to live your life. So in the 100%. same way that we should respect your kink and like not kink shame you, you should accept that sometimes people are not going to get your kink, and that's fine. It's not hating on you, and it's not—you know—they don't need to. You can go off and live your life.
1: Right. That being said, our first episode was a little was a little hateful. I think I take on <laughs> it. and I, I, I do apologize for that aspect. We're getting we're getting a little roasty in our younger years, and now I'm like, I don't I don't really want to roast people. I want people to be fulfilled and like, listen to my cool matured. podcast. Also,
0: <laughs> yeah. I like what you said about um, like you can really you're like really freed when you can when you can step away from other people's expectations Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the sort of defining moments of my young adulthood and sexuality uh, I had a bar manager that I worked for who said to me one night you're a pervert and I went no no I'm not and he goes shut up you're fucking perv (laughs) and like I have sort of like I was like Oh, because I had I had talked with him about various things that I yeah. was into or wanted to do. And uh, he's like, Yeah, you're a perv. I can just roll with that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and awesome. then you were like, Yeah, I'm a perv. I love it. And okay. Like, Finally there's kind a name perf. for my thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have a cat. Yeah,
2: this is Lucy. She likes to be on every podcast, so that's why she's on my lap. Yeah.
1: Sometimes my cat pickle will make an appearance, but <laughs> she she tends to nap during these things. Uh but, but we love a cat appearance though. That always makes that always makes my day.
2: I'm sure she's she a little black cat sense. too. Yeah. We're a sweetie. She'll Beautiful. interject her name is Lucy, uh as in a loose cigarette. So L O O S I E. Yes, thank you. I just wanted to
1: clarify.
0: That
2: is,
1: <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, I like yeah. that name. Uh
0: what else we got in this box? Uh, let
1: us see. Hi, Arthur and Donovan and Louisa. About three years ago, I, M20s, was sexually assaulted while in an open relationship with my then-girlfriend. As a result of that, I have been unable to have and am mostly uninterested in sex. This led to the end of my relationship a few months later. I do jerk it to porn and even hentai, But when it comes to real women, there's just nothing there. Is there something wrong with me? Is there anything I can do to make myself desire intimacy? Or am I likely too far gone? What do we think about that one?
0: I want to start out by saying you are not likely too far gone. Um, Yes. There may be something going on with you that you want to change, but that doesn't necessarily make you broken or bad or wrong or like, you know, beyond repair, you can absolutely get back to where you want to be
2: i agree um, I agree a hundred percent, and I would only add that um I think especially Western culture makes it um there are very strong narratives about how you know men are not men enough if they can't perform sexually all the time and all these things, and how women are not good women if they don't please their men and are frigid and all these things um And I would like to reassure you that it is completely normal to lose interest in sex during different periods in your life. Um, It could be because of you're going through, not you in particular, this writer, but like any person, you can be going through um, a highly stressful period, through depression, you've lost family or loved ones, um, having difficulty in your job. There are a lot of reasons, health reasons why you might need to go see a doctor, Again, not saying this is this person, but I just think we do need to, quote, normalize, right? That being constantly interested in sex is one of the things that our media tells us is normal of humans, and it is actually not, right? One of the ways right. they
0: can sell things to exactly. us. Exactly, yeah.
2: And then and even, like, going as far as to, like, ways to fix you because you're not sexual enough. And <laughs> um, I would encourage you, you know, it's unfortunate that the relationship fell apart, you know, um, but... If you have a trauma to deal with, then maybe it is for the best for you to get treatment, you know, like find somebody to talk to, a therapist, deal with the trauma, not in a way of like, I have to fix my sexual function, but I just have to deal with what happened to me. Because once you have, then the idea of interacting with another human in a sexual way will be freed from the trauma wrapped in the previous experience. And then you will be able to want that again and offer it to somebody else. Um, that's all, I guess I could say there.
1: Yeah, I I, I think yeah. some kind of some kind of therapy is is huge here because that's a it's a fucking traumatizing experience. It's a horrible yeah. thing that happened to you. It's understandable uh, that you would be put off. Uh, from from my own experience, and I think I've talked about this on here too at some point, but maybe not. But I've gone through phases of like very low libido or sexual dysfunction. And the thing that I have found that works versus what not works is, is the more pressure you are putting on yourself, the more you're thinking about this and telling yourself that if you don't do this next time, you're going to fuck up another relationship or you're not man enough or, or whatever the the anxiety may be, the harder it is because it's just more and more pressure. You're piling on yourself. Yep. You're making yourself feel bad too. And like, maybe you don't deserve this or maybe you're too far gone and all of that kind of stuff is just going to make it harder to heal from this. You're not giving like permission to yourself you know, take like be okay with the fact uh, uh, that you're that you're not you know performing. You're not feeling sexual in the way that you used to. Uh, and I think just taking that stance, and Louisa, like you were saying, in, in the therapy too, framing this more as addressing this thing that happened to you and processing that, as opposed to trying to we got to restore this with the focus on the sexual uh, dysfunction here. I think the more pressure you can take away from that. I think it makes it easier for that to come back. It's one of those kind of counterintuitive things. Cause it's not a, you know, you don't like, Oh, I want to get horny.
2: Oh, let, <laughs> come on. Yes. We're there. You
1: yeah. know, it's like, you can't, you can't force these yourself kind of into horniness. Yeah. Though.
2: Um, let me add another thing here, which is like, um, so he said he's in his twenties. And so, you know, I will say, I think the majority of people that I know in the West are serial monogamists and, That means that very often like some serial monogamists or no, some people are like, they go from one monogamous relationship to another, but there are significant gaps in between them, which allow them to process what has happened in previous relationships and growing people. But serial monogamists very often um, don't allow themselves spaces to process previous relationships and previous traumas. And they jump from one relationship to another without really seeing how, like without, providing themselves time and space to love themselves. So mm-hmm. they're always in a relationship with it where they will have concerns like this, where am I pleasing her sexually? Am I a good boyfriend? Am I doing? And so if you are always in a, in a relationship, then you are splitting at least half of your brain power and your emotional power on thinking about this other person. And it sounds like right now you need that time to be thinking of you and loving you and, working through your things and later that will make you more able to love others physically and emotionally.
1: I feel that too. Yeah. Kind of hard to be doing both of those things at once. And totally. something like this, you know, deserves your, your full attention and work yeah. on it. Cause it's a fucking hard thing to work through. And sorry. You're dealing with that though. Again, yeah. like this is objectively a rough situation. Don't, don't get down on yourself about there being a problem here. It's totally understandable. And it's absolutely something you can work through, too. So I, I wish you
0: the best with it. All the best to you. Uh, let's see. What's uh, what's up now? Uh, I can't find anyone who wants to actually go out for a first date. Guys just like want to invite themselves over or invite me over at night. I know the answer uh, is to enforce my boundaries and let people know I'm only interested in meeting up in public at first. But do you have that issue, too, Louisa? Am I being uptight? Sorry if this is more than a complaint than a question. <laughs> Tired of doing cool shit alone would be nice to find someone similar.
2: <laughs> well, huh? I'm not going to say I haven't had that experience, but um, I am trying a different kind of dating post-pandemic, or not post-pandemic. Let's say this year. Pandemic's not over. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I used to date. I'm actually like really good at first, right? And oh, nice. yeah, like I can I feel like I could teach a master class on free <laughs> um and but that master class would be entirely based on dating strangers off of apps and online stuff because, and this is why I say like, oh, I'm a master at doing this, but it, I'm not bragging because it's only in this framework where I'm dealing with strangers, right, so I perfected this ability to go on great first dates because I was. Talking to strangers, setting my boundaries very clearly, vetting that their interests were similar to mine, uh, making the decision of the first date, having, like, great conversation, if not being very comfortable saying this is not going to happen again, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. But since the pandemic, partially because of the pandemic, um, I have now crossed over into, like dating friends and like mutuals, (laughs) you know, and people that are not fully strangers. They're people that are in my circles who I did not used to date. And so I am having to face a lot of different challenges with this different type of dating that I didn't have to before. And one of them, I guess, is this writer's (laughs) challenge, which is, but I also think it's because of the pandemic. Like there's less, things are more expensive. It is more difficult to go out and do things it's really annoying to wear a mask when you're trying to like pick up facial cues from a person and see if you're into each other, you know? Um, So for me personally, yes, the majority of my dates and hangouts in this year have been going over to each other's places or going to park max, you know, like that kind of thing. But I don't think it's because everybody's averse to a first date. I think it's because of pandemic concerns and because of money concerns. A lot of people, you know, didn't have a job during this year and it's, um, Expensive Also I would say to you uh, Woman friend <laughs> um, One thing to consider also is if you're the kind of person That expects your date to pay for everything Then you Have to consider that that is a real Constraint yeah, on yeah. some people And maybe they can't you know and if they're Worried that you're the kind of woman that expects that Then they will hesitate to ask you to go Somewhere if they can't afford to be like going To dinners and doing all these things and paying for everything So if that is your situation, then I would say you would have to consider whether you like, what do you really want out of this? Do you just want first dates and people paying for them and therefore set those boundaries and get those? Or do you want to scale back your expectation because there are all these other factors that are affecting how people are uncomfortable socializing or, you know, having money problems or uh, safety issues where they don't want to be in a restaurant with 40 percent capacity or whatever the hell, you know. Um, So, I mean, I, that's all I can say about my experience, because she knows that if what you want is a particular thing, then expressing it is the only way to get that. Um, But I would say it's, you should consider that it's the reasoning is not necessarily that like nobody wants to go on a first date period or with you, but that there are a lot of other reasons why hanging out at home seems like a lot more the thing to do this year.
1: Yeah. Right. And that's a good point. And maybe like some kind of taking that into account, maybe experiment with like if you got just a free something that's free, going yeah. to a park together, or just like going for a walk or that's something like that. Because then you still got that that you know it's a thing in public. It's not as it's not as personal as having somebody right over like that.
2: You're you're so right. I would also say actually, a tip from my dating strangers uh, time that I do still think will help this person is propose what you want to do instead of saying Mm -hmm. hey okay friday what do you want to do don't leave it up to them if you know that you want a particular thing say hey on friday would you like to go to brooklyn museum it's free whatever the hell right and that way you are proposing a plan and if they're pushing back on you on that then have that conversation Mm
1: -hmm. right
0: that's smart as hell
1: it helps, helps filter people out a little bit, too, because if you kind of address yeah. those like potential cost issues and stuff, and it's just like, well, maybe this person isn't right for you, or they're not down for, for that sort of thing. Find a mm. free rock climbing wall. There's yeah. one in Chicago. There's one in Columbus, Ohio. As I have always said on this program, when the safety of your partner is in your hands as the belayer, uh, there is no stronger bond that can be built. Climb them walls together.
0: And if you mount the crux well enough, maybe you can mount the crux. Oh, climbing jokes. <laughs> uh, I think we got one more in here for Louisa specifically. All right, hit that. Uh, I believe, didn't I read this last one? Oh, you did. Yeah. Hi, Louisa
2: hi
1: <laughs> that wasn't even part of the question i'm just saying hello yeah uh my, my boyfriend and i 34f have been together for two years now when watching handmaid's tale i thought out loud about why people are obsessed with birth rates which resulted in what i thought was a friendly debate but the debate <laughs> ultimately ended in him stomping away and saying that i get too quote-unquote lawyery and scary of
2: debates <laughs>
1: When I asked him what it was specifically I said that made him angry an hour later, he said he had forgotten. I feel like he hates me. Am I at fault here? (laughs) My other male friends don't have any issues with me having lively debates with them, so I'm not sure if it's him or me.
2: It's him. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'm sorry i'm gonna say it it's a problem that i have even like on the podcast we recently had a comic who is a friend of ours it's so crazy because we don't have a contentious relationship but it became the contentious conversation where every person was defensive everybody felt like we were interrupting each other getting interrupted and it was just i think a, a matter of different communication styles and different expectations mm-hmm. as to what the goal of the conversation was, all right? Yes. And I think in relationships, that's often the case, right? And um, very often, or well, not very often, it used to be called, like when I was like in college, uh, me- male and female conversational styles. And now we know that that is actually too, too restrictive, not only because there are more genders than, quote, male, female, but also because... In reality, we all, humans of all genders, um, step in and out of using these different gendered ways of communicating, depending on the situation, right? So in very explicit, ge- generalized terms, this is contradictory, but, you know, very generalized terms, let's go, um, A what would be called a masculine form of communication is one in which the goal of the conversation is to establish a hierarchy, Right? So it is either meant for the purpose of transmitting information or assuring a hierarchy. And so a masculine form of communication is usually used at work by most people. It's used in situations where we're trying to solve a problem, where it's not about connecting emotionally, where it's just, well, you're the the teacher. You're the one that has the answer. I came to you with a question. Now I will be quiet and listen to you while you give me the answer. It's a transactional form of communication. The mm-hmm. feminized form of communication, the goal in conversation is emotional connection, right? So it is to form bonds, to form um, a feeling of empathy and sympathy and identification with one another's situation. So the like most stereotypical example is like, if I say to a man, oh man, I was late to work today because my car, like the tire got flat and then I was stuck on the side of the road. Most of the time a man or a person who communicates in a masculine style will say to me, Oh shit. Well, you know, had you not checked the oil? Did you have AAA? Did you call? Like, how did you solve the problem? Are you coming and Mm -hmm. telling me about this because you need me to help you solve the problem? You know, like it becomes very much a transactional conversation where you are seeking information from me. Whereas if you speak to somebody who has a feminized form of communication, the same story will elicit an empathetic, story that says I also went through this so a woman or a person with feminized communication style might say to you oh my god that's so terrible that happened to me last week I missed the first meeting of the day because my my freaking transmission fell out whatever the fuck it is right I don't know Um, and so these are two extreme poles, right and the reality is none of us function in only one of this one of these all the time but to me it sounds like what happened to this writer and her boyfriend is that They were sharing an emotional bond of watching a TV show together. And when they started communicating about their thoughts about the TV show, he was only doing it in a way of like, I want to emotionally connect with you from sharing this show and be like, isn't it weird that this thing happened? And Mm -hmm. she got into a masculine form of communication where it was about transmitting information (laughs) and like proving like somebody is right here and somebody is wrong. And this is a transaction where we need to establish the truth, (laughs) you know? Right. And so it's not that you hate each other. I don't think it's that you, like, he can't handle it or anything like that. I think it's that in that conversation, you both had a different goal at the time. And if you can recognize that, then that means in the future when this kind of thing happens, you can stop yourself when you realize that you're aiming to, like, prove a point and acknowledge that he just wants to connect with you on how silly this TV show is or something like that. In the same way that you wish he would do that for you, right? but if you can never have a disagreement with him and him take it badly and he always takes it badly and he always gets offended and stomps out of the room then that's probably not a person that you can have healthy communication with
0: god damn that was extremely
1: good breakdown yeah
0: Yeah?
2: okay
1: (laughs) you just nailed
0: (laughs) no you just nailed why my longest running relationship was so fucked up for so long (laughs) Like that just answered every question I had had about like why are we all why do we fucking fight constantly.
2: <laughs> this that is what right. I this that's is how it. I use my anthropology, is literally just to be like, Does this make me happy? What's happening here?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. That makes that makes total sense though. And and like Arthur's saying, that's one of those things I feel like I've kind of picked up on but never. I don't know kind we of was really put words
0: to it i'm, right. Gonna, right. Have, we, I'm gonna have we, to text somebody later on and apologize about that
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you know what it is we all do switch subconsciously it's kind of like mm-hmm. code switching that you hear for like uh, different cultural kinds of speech um mm. so for example i would say to you that men most often switch into a feminized form of communication when speaking with their mothers uh when speaking mm. with their girlfriends if they have that kind of relationship And then the rest of the time they are doing the man thing, right? And women, funnily enough, will run into problems or feminized speakers will run into problems at work when they try to like connect with people when people are trying to be task based. And they'll run into problems at home when they're trying to be task based and the person there is trying to connect with them as a sexual or romantic partner. But they're like, "Did you take out the trash? <laughs> Did you pay the bill?" Right. <laughs> and so then nobody's horny anymore. <laughs> it's <laughs> it matters, you guys. <laughs> Why we want to talk to each other matters a lot. Think about the goal in conversation.
1: For sure, wow. I uh, that that explains kind of my feelings at work too, where I, I hate the totally task based all the time thing because I feel like I can't pick up on the nuances of something if I don't like know where a person is at when they're developing their understanding of a yeah. thing to then like tell it to me. That's really interesting. I, I I haven't really ever. That is really interesting.
2: Cause I, so like as a boss, it's terrible. I'm a PMC, right? So um, <laughs> as a boss, I am, I know that as a worker I am task oriented and like, I think while I'm at work, I don't want, I don't need a boss that cares about my emotional happiness. I want to be clear on the tasks that need to be accomplished, you know? Mm-hmm. But as a boss, I realize that I have people for whom that emotional connection is important and so I have to adjust myself so that I'm not always talking to them in this task-based, masculinized way. Because honestly, they will be less productive if they're not getting the kind of emotional connection, communication that they require to feel heard right. and part of things. Yeah.
1: Wow. Exactly. Goddamn. This is, now Now I want to like dive <laughs> into this whole thing. This is like what I was talking about earlier, where it's kind of like. I don't know. I have this understanding of a thing. I figure this is a concrete kind of communication. Everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, but goddamn, now, now now I'm like I'm Arthur. I'm doing the same thing of like running back through. I'm like yeah. shit. This really <laughs> this comes into play in a lot of places.
0: Yeah, I found myself uh, very successfully able to use that sort of masculinized form when I'm. I do. I run uh, a customer service desk. And so motherfuckers will come up and they'll be like, I need to return this. Yeah. Or like, or so they'll come up and they'll want to tell me a story. They'll want to be like, so I brought, I took this home and my (laughs) aunt gave it to me for Christmas. And then this happened and this happened. And I'm like, and you'd like to return it. Let's go ahead and get that taken care of. Uh, Like, yeah. Yeah. But you
2: see, they come to you with the emotional feminized communication because they're afraid that going task based is like, you're just going to be reject their desire to like, transactionally return this thing interesting so they're like but if i tell him that it's like my kid didn't like it and man it's his birthday and like, you know like then he'll be like damn yeah let's do this return guy but that's like wild. you didn't need to do that <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'm gonna be thinking about this all week that's crazy me Me too
1: uh i guess as as a back to or maybe a, a resolution of that here though like, Louise, have you, have you ever, like, just brought this up with a partner? If, have you had this issue and kind of been like, I think we're coming at this from different angles? Or do you think it's more like something to just, I don't know, kind of keep in mind in the future, this person with the conversations with the boyfriend, of just kind of like what way they're approaching it, what way they feel like they're appro- the partner's approaching it?
2: Personally, um, I first always go to myself. You know, like, I can't control the way other people behave, but I can control the way that I behave or I can try, right? Right. So I would say the first thing is for you to assess your own behavior in those conversations and realize when you were pushing, trying to make a point versus he was trying to just laugh it off and connect with you, you know, on an emotional level and not really take this this seriously, then that means you were also driving the conversation antagonistically. You know what I mean? It's not just he wasn't hearing you. You were also not hearing him. So Mm -hmm. you need to think about that. And then once you get to a place, because it's kind of like, Learning what your lover likes in bed or, you know, when she's mad, what is the thing that makes her happy? You should learn those cues in communication of like, right now, my partner is in a sensitive place and just needs somebody to reassure them that he's they're wonderful and they're great at their job and great at sex and whatever, versus when they need me to listen to the problem and work out solutions with them and be a sounding board and suggest how to fix it. You know what I mean? Um, And then once you feel like you're doing that pretty well, that you're like reading cues and adjusting then and still having problems with his reaction and like his like defensiveness or assumption that he is not hearing you, then it does have to become a conversation where you say like, look, I've been working on it and explain it. You know, I've been working on the fact that sometimes I get all involved in the argument and I just want to prove who's right and talk facts. And I and. I shouldn't get in that fight with you because you're just trying to share a silly TV show with me. Right. But still, I feel like now every time we disagree on something, you're defensive and you don't hear me and we end up interrupting each other. So it can't just be me working on it. It has to be both of us. Um, But in general, I just don't think, you know, like we are of a couple of generations of self-help book people, you know, and I don't think actually that it's very helpful to go to your partner and be like, I read a book, here's what I think you need to do. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that is not going to do anything for you. But doing it for yourself and trying to actually change and showing for some time that you are doing differently is the first step. And then after that, then after you're clear on your behavior and what you can affect, then you will also become clearer on what is acceptable and not acceptable to you and how your partner responds in this situation. And then you can clearly have this conversation with them better as to like... Here's what bothers me that if I just disagree with yeah. you, you shut down and you walk out of the room. And I didn't mean anything by it other than I disagree with you. Let's talk about why that is so that he becomes aware or they become aware of this is a thing you do. Be self-aware about it. And maybe they will start stopping themselves before they bail on an argument, <laughs> you know. Right. And if they don't, then you tried. And in my opinion, it's not working out. And it's time to go.
0: <laughs> Damn. God damn! Yeah, I wish, you, oh. I wish your mic was not on a stand so that you could drop it.
1: <laughs> For um, real though, that's 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 very good uh, uh advice and just kind of like self reflection stuff to to do in, in any kind of relationship yeah. disagreement and just in, in in general.
0: Huge. Very fucking cool. What a way to end the program yeah that's that's fucking incredible this is Uh, very fun i would love to come back
2: anytime this is great
1: we would also love that you've been fucking fantastic yeah yeah i know and i listened to
2: a few episodes i'm like oh i love this i love what you guys are doing this is great thanks so much well thank you well louisa do you have
1: do you have anything to plug
2: um yeah just a couple of things the show that you guys mentioned why you mad it's at why you mad pod on twitter Um, It's a podcast that I co-host with comedian Jake Flores and we mostly talk about art, philosophy, stand-up comedy, some relationship stuff also um, from a leftist Latino perspective basically but we have all kinds of guests on and um, I also run a comedy show in New York City twice a month that is at the former UCB uh, that is now called Asylum so you can follow that at Casual Sets NYC if you're in New York and you want to come. Uh, but also it'll be streaming i think by june so people can One. also see it from oh, nice. wherever they are so keep an eye out for that
0: hell yeah uh, can i try to do my chopped and screwed uh jake from the opening of why you mad yes. it. why you mad <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> pretty good all right That's pretty good
2: <laughs> yeah that was uh, uh some listener made it for us from like the third episode i told you lucy, well, lucy. hello
0: lucy <laughs> yeah, she she's would on top of it. the couch
1: <laughs> in the like, background hello
2: i want to be on the podcast
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm gonna let y'all know that our intro song is the song hanging on by the band knower and that you can find their music at knowermusic.bandcamp.com and
1: uh, <laughs> me out to you too buddy she loves it <laughs> And our outro song is a song, Stephanie, by The Hey Fellows. You can find him at Instagram.com slash The or on Spotify. Three words, The Hey Fellows.
0: What do we got for shout outs? Uh, shout outs. We've got Ryan, Rich Homie Click Clack. We got my dad. <laughs> we got uh, Dylan, AKA Daddy. We got my girlfriend, Abigail. <laughs> we have Rich
1: Homie Barb. And we have spreadable fruit. All of our $10 patrons, thank you, and we salute you. Uh, you can get bonus episodes every week by going to patreon.com slash rftb. $5 or $10, and we'll say your name at the end. You could be next to my dad, and wouldn't that be great? <laughs> it's very right be cool
0: being great. next to Donovan's dad. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, very true. Let's see. I'm. I'm fuck, fuck, man. I'm just going to get right up here. I'm going to get rid right of this microphone. Oh, <laughs> And I'm going to say I love you. Thanks. Bye.
1: That was the most up on the microphone you've ever been.
0: (laughs) Thanks, folks.